must be nice for once to be in the audience for a panel like that to not be to, to like watch other people talk about their yeah, no, experience. I mean, I, I love. I mean, I'm fans of all those. The one we just saw. Yeah. I'm fans of all their work. So it's always. I mean, if they're friends of mine, it's still interesting to hear. Do, do you do you do you like do you flinch a little bit though when you hear the question that you've been asked eight hundred times on those panels? Uh, yeah, I commiserate, commiserate <laughs> with them. I'm like, oh god, that question. But yeah, um, I mean, it's, I mean, do do you, do you find though that there's like like some kind of like through line? I mean, obviously they're all very different people with different works, but it sounds like they kind of approach it in a similar way. Yeah, um, I liked what um, Rebecca, is that her name? Rebecca Hayden? Oh, uh, yeah, Je- uh, Jennifer. Jennifer, yeah. Jennifer, I don't even know where I got Rebecca. I was like, <laughs> obviously it's Jennifer, yeah. I um, I liked what she was saying about the memory tunnel. Yeah. Because I think that that's really true. And when the guy raised his hand and was like, I've thought about writing, but I can't remember stuff. It's like, you haven't really tried. Because once you sit down... And actually start writing, all these memories flood back. Yeah. That you don't know were there. Um, so, yeah, it's really just part of the process. I mean, it's, it sounds, the, the way you're describing it now, it sounds like it's a good thing, but at the same time, I mean, I've got to imagine it's hard to. I mean, you sit, you sit down with something in mind, and then when eight yeah. million things come flooding back, you don't really know which direction to go in. Well, I think that I've always kind of trusted your brain is like, the best editor that you could ever have like they know your brain knows what's interesting (laughs) and so if you're writing about something that happened like seven years ago your brain is going to remember the high points and even if something seems mundane you sort of trust yourself and put it in there and it turns out to be significant well that's it too right I mean you're you're kind of your own best slash worst critic when it comes to what's actually interesting you know Nicole said this and I think that everyone can relate to this that like like nobody thinks their life is particularly interesting yeah. do they so. well i don't know i mean they well, know they know the boringest parts of their yeah. own life everyone does but, but i but i guess i guess you know from you know when it, obviously like when it's the, when it's your life you kind of have to step outside yeah. for a second and take a look but you know you still, what were you like eight like 15 16 when you started you were in high school right yeah. you were pretty young i mean did you did you think you had an interesting life at the time? Well, that was actually the impetus to creating the books was that I thought my life was extremely <laughs> interesting because I was writing about my freshman year of high school and yeah. I had gone to a really small private school for kindergarten through eighth grade and then I transferred to a public school and sort of in that year, like, got drunk for the first time, tried drugs for the first time, went to concerts, made out with people. I mean, nothing could be more interesting than all of that stuff as far as I was concerned, and I was doing it. And so I was, I think it was, it was a sense of almost wanting to relive it and like, or just tell the world that I had done this. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) really interesting things, which was like (laughs) smoke pot. I mean, interesting for, I mean, you know, interesting from the standpoint of like, you you thought this wasn't stuff that everybody else was getting up to or just that like you knew that since you had been insulated up to that point it just felt really exciting to me yeah and i you know obviously i knew other people were doing it but i had never done it yeah and i don't think that i was thinking so far as would somebody find this interesting i don't sure that thought didn't ever cross like i was never like because i was always just 
I think it really was. I think a lot of memoir is an attempt to re-experience something that was poignant in your life. And whether that meant... It's not like a catharsis thing, but it's a... I don't know. Like, you see these drug memoirs, Mm -hmm. and, and I've read a few of them. And they always strike me as somebody, like, now sober... Wanting to experience, oh, 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 sorry, sorry. Wanting to experience that feeling of being high again, kind of through yeah. their writing. Um, and so, for me, I think a, a lot of at least when I started drawing comics was kind of like, oh my god, I was so excited when we like when I was hanging out with this boy and we did, like drove donut holes around this this fountain, like. And but I'm, you, and but I'm you gonna were, draw it, and I'm gonna be there yeah. again, and I'm gonna, and other people are gonna know that I did that. <laughs> and why wouldn't they be interested? But like, it were, never occurred to me that they wouldn't be. But you were, it, were, it wasn't like it wasn't like the sober person looking back in, on, on their drug days. I mean, you were in it. Well, sure, but I was doing it. I wasn't writing the books as these things were happening to me. Yeah. I was writing them the summer after. Okay, which in my mind felt like yeah. Back when I was, <laughs> when I back was when I was young, yeah. eight months ago, a wee thing. Like I, you yeah. know, um, so sure, it was more immediate than other types of memoirs. But it's still the act of it felt like looking back to me because because they were written after the fact. You you were looking to, I mean, you you, you were looking to make comics, or you looking to write before that, and you finally you were waiting for something interesting to happen. Is is that what spurred you to actually like sit down and start making the things? No, I had been doing versions of comics for years. Mm. So like my first comic was something I was one I drew in third grade, and it was called Life with Lucy Hound, and it was thinly autobiographical about a girl that wanted a dog. Mm-hmm. I also wanted the girl's a, name was wanted Lucy a Hound. dog. Her name was Lucy Hound. Oh, well. She really wanted a dog. <laughs> All I wanted in third grade was a dog, um, and it was. There was some fictional elements. Like, I think I made her family really poor, and then they got really rich. That felt like stakes <laughs> to me. But it was mainly, mostly it was about, like, her just hanging out with her family and, like, figuring out whether she should, like, wear, try to wear cool clothes or not. And then feeling like, no, I feel more comfortable in just my, my clothes. <laughs> it was, and then just, like, her with her dog. Um, and then in eighth grade, I did a comic called Live It Like Me, which was kind of inspired by For Better or For Worse, mm-hmm. which was also thinly veiled autobio, um, just about a girl like in middle school dealing with her annoying sister and her embarrassing parents were like the main kind of gags. But so I was always drawing autobio comics. And then after ni- my ninth grade year of high school, I was just like, so inspired by what had happened to me that I wanted to make a full-length book. Yeah. And I also just wanted something to do over the summer because I would I used to get really depressed in the summer. I really liked school. And, <laughs> and when school wasn't there and it was just like... I mean, I would, sometimes I'd go to camp. But I didn't like camp. Camp yeah. seemed really messy and like a free-for-all to me and it caused me anxiety. And so summer would be coming and I'd be like, oh, summer. <laughs> and so I needed to like... You had the exact opposite reaction of everybody else. Yeah, that, I think that was... Yeah. Um, but I needed something to do to, like, devote myself to, yeah. to distract myself from the depression of summer, and so that was part of the why I decided to draw Awkward. 
And your family wasn't trying to kind of kick you outside and make you go enjoy the world? Um, probably. We went on hikes and stuff, yeah. and we probably went on a family vacation. Actually, yeah, we went. My family took this vacation to France my 10th grade after my sophomore year of high school because my mom is a composer, and her one of her pieces was being played at, in France. Hmm. And so we took this trip, and I was writing most of Definition on that trip. And I just remember, like, writing different parts in, like, different hotel rooms and um, and I think it kind of, in a way, also just, like, grounded me. Like, yeah. I liked having this thing to always return to and to be, like, my purpose. And there's something, like, so, so you know, I mean, you, you got to, at a young age, live the beautiful French, you know, like, the, the F. Scott Fitzgerald, like, I'm in France, right, like, working I mean, on this piece. I, yeah, I think if I was a little older, I would have had that appreciate it a little bit more, yeah. I, Instead, yeah. I was just, like, I had, I dyed my hair purple, and I got this purple hair dye over all the pillows uh-huh. in every... Yeah, every place we stayed, um, but it was yeah, it was a fun time. It's I, I mean it's I, I'm sure I'm not the first person to tell you this, but it's I mean it's in, impressive at that early age to have been not to have been working on stuff. I mean a lot of people are working on stuff, but to, to um, have been committed to something long form. I mean I'm old now and I can't <laughs> I can't like sit down and I think I think the internet might have killed a lot of this in me, yeah. but I. I you know, and, and working online has made everything so instantly gratifying that the idea of sitting down and not seeing it come out for, you know, not not only not finishing it for a year or two, but then the process beyond that is kind of kills me. I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel, I still feel sort of the opposite, which is that when I'm working on something, I don't want anybody to see it. Yeah. I get like I was even trying to write at the library recently. But somebody was shelving books behind me, and the idea that they would like yeah. glance over and see what was on my computer was so horrifying that I could never go back. Um, and so, yes, it's nice to get a response, but I love the idea of like holding up and working on something, and then being like, "Ta-da! Here's yeah. this giant thing that I've like secretly been devoting myself to that now exists as like a separate entity for me." Like I think when you're doing internet stuff and stuff comes out really frequently you feel very attached to it or involved or you're and I've been able to in doing work that comes out separately after working on it a long time and is in a large volume it it can seem more like a I don't know just a different being from you and it's easier to and, 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 in, and in a way, you, you almost kind of like you're, you're I mean, it's you're done with it. Right. So you've yeah. kind of like you've no, in, totally. in your brain, you've already like moved on to the next thing. Yeah. I would find it really hard. I mean, like my last book, Adam. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine like what it would have been like to serialize that yeah. book, especially while I was writing it. That would have been horrible. The book never would have been finished. Yeah. I mean, the book got a lot of controversial response and. If I had gotten that type of response while I was writing it, it would have been really paralyzing, and um, and the book wouldn't have been what it is. But yeah, but you, I mean, you knew going given the subject matter, you knew going into it that there was going to be some. Oh, kind sure. Of response. Like I knew, I knew there was going to be a, a strong response, but uh, and that is part of why I think, you know, in part. I didn't talk a lot about it while I was working on it, but also just because I am a really private writer. Like, I yeah. just like to write in private. But I think that, you know, for stuff like webcomics where, where people, where you're getting that internet feedback, it can just skew the work yeah. in a way that maybe is good sometimes, but often I think can um, just not let you reach whatever vision you originally had. 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, and there's something, you know, especially right now, there's something about that subject matter that, you know, I, I certainly, I, I wouldn't, I think probably a lot of it like has to do with like privilege and, and who I am, all these things. But I, I don't know that that was something that I would even attempt to do because of mm-hmm. that, you know. And, and I, I would project that feedback onto it before I even sat down and started it. Yeah. And well, I started. I mean, do you mean like queer trans yeah, community yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I started writing Adam in 2007 when it wasn't so much. I mean, Tumblr didn't yeah. exist. It wasn't. There wasn't quite so much internet um, outrage chatter the way there is now. Um, I mean, I was on all the queer message boards that existed then, uh-huh. um, but uh, but now there's like a new crop of you know younger people that are. Um, so it's it's there's like a generational thing too. I mean, I'm writing about. I was writing in the book. You know, takes place ten years ago. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really feel that scared yeah. going in. Um, I mean, it might have been, I, I don't know, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it might have been, you know, when when you started, um, there might have been more of a sense that, like, at least somebody's writing about this. Sure. I mean, maybe. I mean, it was more just like I was writing about my small yeah. community, like, people that I knew, and it felt, and at the time, because there wasn't such an internet presence it was it felt more isolated i i guess sort of, i guess sort of it's from the standpoint though of like um that there aren't these sorts of representations in media right now so it's just like nice that somebody is is sure. covering it in a way yeah. i mean now it's now it's it's out there in a way that it wasn't yeah. before um but i guess so much has changed in the past 10 years i mean does it feel like when you look back on it does it feel in a way like a relic of of the past oh totally i mean the yeah the book would not make any sense. Yeah. I don't think written today. Um, I think it's very much of its of its time. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. Does, it, does it feel? Does it, you know, I, I can't tell if it's um, just because we're living through it right now. You know, I mean, we're not old enough to remember like civil rights or something. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, I mean, not not that it's not an ongoing thing, yeah, but yeah. you know. Um, I mean, it, feel, it feels like things have accelerated a lot in the last few years, Oh, right? totally. Um, which is great. Yeah. I mean, which is, you know, and I think yeah. it's like part of like, when I started writing Adam, part of me was thinking kind of like, it's crazy to me that more people aren't talking about this or that people are, you know, that this, that basically that trans people don't have the visibility that they should or that they at least have in my mm-hmm. small subculture and um yeah so it's great that it's different now and of course that means more shitty representations yeah. too that's just how it goes and like you know crappy movies like the danish girl which i actually haven't seen so i'm not gonna call it crappy but yeah most, I mean, it, most it, people i know d- didn't care for it and uh it, it is it is kind of interesting like the, the, what what the time period is between like well, it, we're just kind of happy that, like, there's some sort of representation out there yeah. to, like, okay, well, this is a thing that we're all talking about now. And mm-hmm. that this this re- this thing from, like, two years ago had it come out today. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. everything changes that quickly. And may, oh. I don't know. Maybe that's part of – maybe that's part of the issue with, with, with lead time when you're dealing with something that's mm-hmm. such kind of a, a changing – a changing beast. I mean, I guess it, I guess it helps to set it in the past. Yeah. In in that sense. Well, I mean, I didn't 
I wouldn't. It's so weird because the book takes place ten years ago, but I started writing it like I said in two thousand seven. So yeah. it felt current, and then yeah. as I continued working on it, I was like, I'm going to keep this in this year because I want to have these cultural points like the L word and a gay marriage march, like things that need to be in that time. Yeah. And um, but it's not like I'm like looking back on a on a time because I was. I mean, I finished writing it, like, you know, yeah. three years later or whatever. It just took a long time to come out. Did you, I mean, was was part of the impetus to write it that you felt like this was, you know, that that, that representation, representation needed to be there? Or were you just like, this is like a good story? Oh, yeah. No, I wasn't trying to, like, <laughs> be some sort of saint to, uh, or be the voice of anything. I mean, yeah. I really, it was just, I was completely intrigued by this idea of, yeah. a, of a cis man passing as a trans man you know I, I had a lot of trans guy friends and it just occurred to me that it would be so funny to put this character in our world and how would he see it and what would it look like through his eyes and what yeah. would it could he benefit from it and what would that mean and would he I've, just, I've always been really interested in this sense of like identity and community and like how community can give you a sense of identity. Yeah. So I liked the idea of taking somebody who didn't feel like he had a, a community or an identity and then finding it in this other way, in this unusual way. Did you end up being more sympathetic with the character than you thought you were going to be? Well, the only way to write the book would be to make him sympathetic. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't... Obviously, he does a very bad thing. And, <laughs> you know, there's a version of the story where he's just evil or gross or manipulative, but I... The story that I wanted to tell was. What do you, you mean know, by the aversion? Just something you're well, working I mean, like through, you, or, or the no, po- no, potential? Nothing, nothing that I wrote, but there's a yeah. there's a potential version sure. of a cis guy tra- passing as a trans guy where he's just sure evil just jerk a shithead, yeah. shithead. Um, <laughs> and it's uh, nobody wants to read that. I mean, you know, we're all good people that do bad things. Yeah. So that's kind of where I wanted to come at it from. It's it, it's it, you know it's funny that you know you mentioned the L word as being a like a cultural touchstones yeah, you were yeah. very much entrenched in that at the time yeah. I mean, you were writing for the show at, yeah. when, as you were working on the book yeah um, well no I, oh. I, I wrote on the show um, in 2005 and 2006 okay. so I started the book about about a year after okay but but I mean I, I assume that your experience working on the show informed oh definitely yeah what was it was it what what was it about working on the show that ended up kind of inspiring the book well, just in a general writing sense, I mean, the show is the first time I'd ever written fiction, and I don't know that I would have been able to make that leap yeah. without that experience, which was really valuable. Um, but then also just, you know, the whole phenomenon around the L word, the fact that there were these viewing parties that everybody was so obsessed with, like, was just a fun, it was a big part of, you know, being queer, that the L word was just, like, a thing that everybody yeah. talked about. And I also was, you know, I worked on season three, which was the season that the Max trans guy character came on. And I was really aware of all the things that, you know, were maybe well-intentioned, but did not go so well with that Hmm. character. Um, And I wanted to, I think part of me wanted to acknowledge that, uh, that he was a a problematic (laughs) character, but, um, but, you know, everybody on the show, of course, you know, tried really hard and worked really hard to make it a good yeah. storyline. And I think it has a lot of good aspects, but, 
but it was definitely like a thing where you would hear people be like complaining about the Max character, and and that's valid. And I, I wanted think, to talk about. I think that. it's funny though that you were like you were face to face with that that kind of that that criticism, and you just like you kind of leaned into it in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, that must I mean that must have been a weird sort of culture shock for you to all of a sudden be a part of this like phenomenon. It was really cool. I mean, I had. You mean the L word? Yeah. Like, yeah, I was a fan of the show for the first season, and then to then get to like suddenly fly to LA and be writing for it was like did they just they, total dream? They it was like contacted a, you? No, I um, so a film production company had optioned my book potential, and I'd written a screenplay based on it, and then through that, I was working with an entertainment lawyer who represented Rose Trachet, who was mm-hmm. one of the producers on the L word, and I told the lawyer that I wanted to write for the show. And she passed along my screenplay to Rose and Eileen Chaikin. And then I had an interview and then was hired. Was it like a real kind of old school writer room experience? I don't know what an old school... Well, from the standpoint of, I mean, from the standpoint of like literally like being in a room yeah, full of people. Yeah, it was literally like a, an office job. Not, not like, like everybody's wearing fedoras and typing on typewriters. <laughs> I, mean, I had a division of pipes. like smoking. But, um, <laughs> nobody was smoking and it was in, it was in a Santa Monica bungalow. And it was fantastic. I mean, yeah. it was, it was so, I learned so much about writing and mm-hmm. so much just craft and everybody that worked on the show was incredibly talented. It was, you know, an amazing group of people. The first year that I worked, it was, you know, Eileen and then Rose and this woman, Easy, who also did the music for the show and this playwright, Adam Rapp and, um, this novelist, A.M. Holmes, mm-hmm. who I'm a huge fan of. And so it just was really cool to be in a room with them and hear the way they thought of story and yeah. their kind of how they their own creative processes. And I guess I guess it's, it sounds unique from the standpoint of, uh, you know, I, 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 old school is the right word. But when I think about TV writer's room, I, I think about, you know writers rooms full of tv writers and it sounds like everybody or you know a a large chunk of them were approaching it from very different fields well it's funny too because we all also came from new york and it's a show about yeah you know lesbians in la but i think eileen you know she put together the room and she really i think loves diverse writers and loves um you know what there there is a certain thing that New York writers bring. I mean, the fact that I was a cartoonist and then there's a novelist and a playwright, like I think she wanted to have that yeah. diversity um, in the room. Did, did you study writing at all at, at any point? I mean, or did you just kind of figure everything out on your own for the most part? I mean, well, you know, in high school, you everybody's sure. kind of studying writing yeah. to some degree. English and I think and that, yeah. yeah, so you're doing creative writing in classes and I was always really into that. And But yeah, just I think doing the comics was like my own kind of education and then in college I took some writing classes as well which I enjoyed Um, but you know it's it's like anything it's really just the act of doing it well yeah yeah I know it it is and I actually said I studied writing in 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 college I studied like creative writing and the Mm -hmm. idea of I mean it ended up being a, a really ridiculous thing to major in for you know myriad reasons but one of which is that you know there's I don't know. I don't. I don't know that it's possible to teach kind of creative writing in that sense, right? Everything ended up boiling down to a series of workshops. Right. I mean, it was, you know, it was a very small concentration at the school. There were probably like five to ten of us in this major. Yeah. And it was the same five to ten people just cycling around over and over again, reading each other's work. Um, 
so I don't know. I mean, you know, I guess I guess there's a lot to be said for just sort of like sitting down, um, kind of teaching yourself how to do it, you know, and not 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 kind of going out of your way to get that formal education. Yeah, I mean, but I do think you there's things to be I mean I can remember things that professors said to me that were helpful yeah. and um, and I teach now I teach a graphic novel workshop okay. at the new school and again like mainly I'm just I feel like I'm primarily providing like a space and like a timeline in which yeah. people can do their own work but we have critiques and I try to think about what would be helpful and a lot of it is just sort of asking these questions like well what is this about mm-hmm. you know and <laughs> the, the, the questions that are almost in a way like so silly that people don't even consider well, them or, yeah, or like, why mean, are you writing this thing well, yeah which is ultimately yeah. like you know I think I don't know I also like I love I learned a lot from Stephen Kring's book on writing I think that's such a yeah, fantastic yeah. book and yeah. he said a lot of stuff that I sort of carry with me one of them was that after you write your first draft that's when you can kind of look back and say what is this about what are the themes and then you can kind of edit to mm-hmm. accentuate the themes or cut away stuff that don't doesn't speak to the theme um so i you know i try to like pass on yeah. that type of information to students but, but are, are, are you glad or or are you glad that you just sort of went out there and started putting yourself out in the world or do you wish that you'd had some kind of a more formal educational structure before you actually sat down and really started making comics in earnest no I mean I think it's I mean I don't I think it was all part of the learning process and it you know sure I can look back at the earlier stuff and be like this isn't that good or there's a problem with that but who cares I mean I don't yeah do you you find yourself going back and reading your old stuff at all well, I've I've looked at my book Potential like a million times because I keep writing all these screenplay adaptations of it, and so I'm like, yeah, I'm very familiar with that book. But yeah, every now and then I like open awkward and it'll be like a little bit weird. Yeah, um, I'll be like, oh my god, that I did that. That was my life. It's, it's, it's funny though. I mean, because you know, you said that like that initially, that's part of the impulse to do it is to relive those things, and I yeah. guess in a sense you're. But I don't mean that it's to relive it when you read it. I mean yeah. it's to relive it while you write it. Well, I guess I guess like when when you're when you're reading it, are you? This is such a dumb question, but are you reliving the original event? Or are you reliving the writing of the event? A little bit of both. Yeah. Mainly, mainly the event, or mainly I'm just like kind of reading the story, which is yeah. its own thing. Um, but it's funny, right? What, it's, it's it's like it's a diary for you on two different levels. It's where you, it's where you were when it happened. And it's where you were when you yeah, actually writing it. I, I talk about this with Gabrielle sometimes, like. We'll look at certain pages of our comics, and all we can think about is the audiobook that we were listening to while we were inking it. That's funny. Like I look at some pages, and that's just—it's just all the Walt yeah. Disney biography. Like, it's the—it's sort of the opposite of, of um, hearing a song and then immediately like going back to the song. Yeah, it's—it's it's like the complete inverse of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you, so you've written—you've written several screenplays. Well, yeah, I've, the the movie's been in development for many years. Yeah. And it's been with many different directors and each director has their own take and so then I write a version and yeah. then also producers have comments so it's been through like I mean I've, I've literally written like I don't know maybe 40 drafts wow. and it's still it still looks like it's happening it's I, yeah it's, <laughs> I think I think it's gonna happen I, it, yeah. I can't really talk about it yet but I think sure. there will be an incarnation of it H- has eventually. that has it I mean it, it sounds frustrating on a few levels but mm-hmm. has it overall been a good experience 
I mean, it's exciting to think that it could happen, sure. you know, and I'm still like fueled by that yeah. excitement. It's, it is frustrating, you know, to feel like it gets close and then yeah. it doesn't, but that's just that industry. I and mean, that's just how it is, you know? And, and I mean, you've worked, you know, you've worked, you've worked with editors on, on your books before, but this is, this is kind of another level of mm-hmm. that. And it's different, you know, when, when, when you, when you sit down and work on a, a, a fictional TV show, yeah. um, when somebody tells you that something is unrealistic, that's one thing. But when it's something that you've lived through, it's well, people do, yeah, people don't generally tell me that it's unrealistic, yeah. but people will tell me it's boring or yeah. <laughs> or that it's there's not enough drama. That's usually it's more that it's usually more like we need to make these stakes higher. Yeah, I mean, have you without naming any names i mean have you have, have there been have there been any you know through the all of the people you've been through have there been any experiences you've had in particular where it's just like this is just not this person is not a good fit for this um no i've never everybody i've worked with has been somebody that like i chose to work okay. with because i liked their work and and felt like it could be a good thing i think the the thing that's mainly been frustrating is when people have asked me to continue rewriting and rewriting and rewriting and uh, I and it sometimes will feel like they're not really focused, hmm. like they're not. It's very easy to look at something and be like, "Oh, you should change this or change that." Yeah. And there's only so many times you can rewrite something without it starting to feel dead to you. Yeah. And so I sometimes have fell in the position where I've been asked to rewrite and rewrite and rewrite, and I don't feel like the person that's asking me to is in it, really deep in it with me the way they need to be yeah um well and i mean you know in a sense nobody like they're just nobody, kind of like contradicting something they ask yeah. you know what i mean like they'll ask me to change something that they had previously asked me to do and that, that but, but, but no but but like you know in, in in a very specific sense nobody could ever be as invested in it as you are no of course not and that's why you know and also it's like i acknowledge that it's a really difficult field and you yeah. just have to kind of plow ahead and do all the work and hope for the best so i'm not like but um, but yeah, I mean, as far as what's been frustrating, it's that's mainly it. I, I, guess, I guess you know if, from from the the, sam- the whole like you know kill your darlings mm-hmm. standpoint. Um, do you ever feel like you're maybe too close to the subject matter to be objective about it and to really chop things up in ways that people want, or to you know understand what their standpoint is as far as like this is just not beneficial for the story. Um, yeah, possibly. You know, it's possible that somebody else could write, could adapt the book yeah. in a way that would be successful. But I don't. I just don't think it would be as successful yeah. as mine. <laughs> but but you. I mean, it sounds like you, at some point on the down the uh, early on, you had it on paper that like you are going to be in this role for as long as this project oh yeah. Exists. No, I'm not. No, I don't want anybody else to write it. And because the thing is that it's not even just a matter of crafting the screenplay it's like because it is autobiographical I can bring in all these details from my life to do that thing of adding more drama or adding the right specifics and so I know uh, nobody else would would have that and sure they would bring in their own but then it would just become a different story that's really interesting I mean it's in a way you know usually when you're doing autobiography and you're revisiting a story from your life you kind of get one shot, right, yeah. to, to to contextualize that and to, to figure out what pieces you're going to put in. But but having to kind of relive it, like you 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 end up connecting the dots in 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 different ways. Yeah, I mean, there's been versions of the screenplay where so much was taken 
from my diaries or things that had happened that were not included in the yeah. book in a way that I think was cool, you know, that are, are you are you kind of an obsessive diarist? Yeah, I do. I do keep a diary, a regular diary. Um, is that? I mean, it's, I mean that's a, that's an it's an entirely different experience going back and rereading one of your comics versus re rereading the diary. No, my diary is like my diary switches up. When I was younger, it was mainly all just emotion and pain. <laughs> now I try to like include a lot of details because that's what I know that I I know what I like to go back and read. Yeah. What I like to go back and read is like. I want to know what I ate for lunch. I know that sounds boring, but like hmm. it really it, it really adds it puts me back in that place. Like I remember eating that sandwich yeah. and like back when I like ate that type of thing and it's some, I don't know, like the It's like Proust. The, it's yeah, it's like Proust. <laughs> it's like these small details yeah. that that actually lead to other things and um and dialogue. I, I, I really like when I've like included actual conversations with yeah. people. I find that really interesting. The stuff I don't find interesting is me just going on and on. Like, I'm confused. I'm sad. I don't know what to do. I, like, I, I just skim all, <laughs> you know, skim over that and get to like what I had for dinner, which is interesting. Well, you, so you're, you're kind of, in, in a way, you're kind of writing a diary thinking about yourself as an audience like future you I'm, reading I, it i'm i'm thinking about myself as a writer that is going to use this stuff yeah. for sure like in a way that i was even in high school knowing that i was going to be using my diary for the comics so it's not that i'm and i also when i'm writing in my diary i'm i'm thinking about trying to become a better writer like yeah. but i don't i i know that i'm not going to show it to anybody so i'm able to be as free as i want to and it's also it is also a way to try to understand stuff to try to work stuff out in my brain. So the, I feel like the diary serves all these different purposes. Do, do, do you do you feel that having started writing autobio as early as you did that you were um, able to be more open, or 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 I, I, I guess I guess I, it, it seems like it would go one one way or the other that at, at an early age you'd be a little more guarded. I mean, I think it yeah it depends on the person, but I know that I. I don't want to write the type of autobio that I wrote when I did, that I did as a teen. Meaning? Meaning so exposing of myself. Like, yeah. I'll still do shorter autobio comics, but they're not, I don't know, they're not as raw or about yeah. certain topics. Like the sexuality stuff, like I wouldn't do that I don't know I don't feel the desire to do that as much now I still I'm interested in writing about those topics yeah but mainly through fiction but, and, but and also it might have to do with getting older yeah well it's it exactly like it's just that like obviously sexuality is a constant but it's yeah. not quite at the front of every single thing you do is the way it yeah. is when you're in high school it was I mean and also I think I just I really loved autobio comics like when I was writing like Joe Matt Phoebe, yeah. Phoebe Gleckner, although she's not, you know, technically autobio. Um, Adrian Tomina, again, he's not technically autobio, but I felt his yeah. his work felt very personal to yeah. me. So I really wanted to do to write stuff like these people that I loved. Chester Brown, I loved. Um, Mouse is my favorite comic ever. Linda Berry. And as I got older, I started reading. I mean, I always read fiction, but I started getting really into the way fiction could also feel personal hmm. and that just felt inspiring to me and I wanted to kind of emulate 
like Jonathan Franzen or something. Like I yeah. loved how deep into characters he got. And even though it wasn't autobio, it felt very real to me. This was, this was actually a question that, you know, that I, I kind of would have liked to have put to the, the, the panel that we just saw. But, you know, especially when I think about Gabrielle's work, um, you know, especially some of her early stuff, it's, um, I don't want to use the word formula, but like a lot of it, it sort of like travels a similar path where it, you know, it starts pretty what seems to be pretty true to life and then it goes on like a bit of a, a flight of fancy and um i'm always i'm always kind of curious you know if if you know if, if early on you feel like there needs to be a very clear line between what's what's fiction and what's autobiographical like if you're going to write about yourself you know when when you're 16 did, did it feel like it needed to be that that it was almost your job to be as true to life as possible. I definitely felt that way. I mean, I, um, I, nothing in the books is made up. Yeah. So events are condensed, uh, but nothing is, is fabricated. And that was very important to me that I not fictionalize anything. And it, and it, uh, and it feels very. This is wine party this is just like, like <laughs> spontaneously sprung up around us. It's cool, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it um, for for me there's a, you know, and there's parts of Adam like Adam is obviously fiction. I'm yeah. not a teenage boy. Um, I mean, we're all kind of but, teenage boys <laughs> right, in a way, right? Sure, I'm not a teenage boy who pretended to be trans. Yeah, but um, but everywhere that Adam went is where. I went, you know, I went to L word parties. I went to this sex club. I went to camp trans. I went to gay marriage marshes, you know, all the, all the places he inhabits are places that I inhabited. Yeah. And I, you know, tried to then imagine that I was this type of character seeing them. So somebody, not me, but, um, but it was still kind of autobio in the sense that he was living this life that I had led, even though he was different than me. Did, did you ever, you know, I, 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 uh, I remember the first time I heard that Latigra song and was like, oh, they can't be the same person. Like, it just, you know, my, <laughs> like, from the standpoint of like my, my brain, like, couldn't process funny. that, like, that there would be a cartoon, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, not, you know, not, not, none of it could. But, but it, it's, it, it had to be, I mean, what, what, did you did you know that was happening before? the song yeah. came out somebody told me they were like oh you're in a Latigra song and but the song I, existed in the world yeah yeah. and then I heard it and I was like they pronounced my name wrong <laughs> that, that's so funny you know that's I was thinking about this before because uh, I, was, I was like just thinking about this when because um, I remember sitting I was thinking about this during the panel I remember sitting like with Gabrielle somewhere and she was like she's one of those cartoonists who has a habit of just sitting there with a piece yeah. of paper and drawing everybody and I remember, like, I remember she was drawing me, and I, I sh- my first instinct should have been to have been flattered by the fact that she was drawing yeah, me. Yeah. And I was just like, my nose doesn't look like that. No, totally. It's always every, but and that's how it is when anybody reads yeah. my comics. Like, I drew this one girl, and she was like, "Why did you draw me so fat?" Yeah. And I was like, "I don't even know what you're talking yeah. about." Like, the, this person was not a heavy person. The drawing was not a like, you know what I mean? It was just completely in her head. Um, yeah, 
it's it always comes down to small yeah. physical details and you know but of course I was also thrilled that I was in the song and, well, that's, it's, so, and it's super awesome yeah so like number two is like you know this like hero yeah. like everybody's hero Calvin Hanna like has, has put you in the song and 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 then it's sort of like what are, what are the what are the implications of that that like oh well I guess I'm kind of this like a rallying point or or you know there's I mean, yeah, I was really proud to be, like, yeah. with those other people who are... I mean, all the names in the songs are people that are amazing. And I, I guess it's... I, I guess the question is, you know, it's, like, part of the good and the bad about doing about doing work over the years that's so personal um, is that people internalize it and is that people can relate to it so much. And have you ever... And I assume, I assume that you get a lot of letters from people who have been through similar things... Um, you know, whatever it is, if it's like questioning their sexuality, um, has part of you ever kind of wanted to like distance yourself a little bit from that? Or have you ever, you know, is it ever kind of scary to have people project so much onto you? Um, I don't know. Like I don't, I, I do get letters from people, but I don't, I don't know what people are projecting onto me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like that's happening away from me. Yeah. Um, I... When I was younger, I would, like, hang out with, you know, fans of the comic more. And <laughs> I was I was really into... I was yeah. kind of into that. Just the idea of having fans. Just the idea of having fans exciting. or the idea of, like, hooking up with a girl because yeah. she liked my comics. Like, that was really cool to me at the time. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's cool. I don't know. Com- not, comics groupies? Yeah, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. um, but now it's... I was still the, the character then. Like, now yeah. I'm so much older. I just I feel so removed from it that I don't... Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't feel as relevant. Like, whatever somebody thinks of those... of the characters in the book... I don't feel like they're thinking it about me yeah. because I'm 20 years older. That's interesting. It's, 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 it's interesting to use the word character to refer to yourself 20 sure. years ago. Sure. I mean, yeah. And it's still, it's still, it still feels like me to me, but I, but I guess what I'm saying is that like, if somebody reads it, I don't feel maybe, I think when I was younger, I didn't feel self-conscious cause I was just a brash teenager. Yeah. And now I don't feel as self-conscious because I feel like I'm so much older. Although there are, there are sections of likewise where I just, a kind of cringe and I don't want to be around anybody yeah. reading them it, it, it's interesting too you know I, I had um, you know the band The Hold Steady yeah so I had the I had, I had the guy, uh, guys from that on the show and, and they are, are kind of like a little infamous for like most of their songs generally revolving around a very specific time period yeah um, you know and and in a way but you know by necessity the fact that you're like writing this screenplay over and over again it's you're kind of like you have to be stuck in that oh my god yeah i am a little bit it's yeah been, it's been a bit much with that but i you know i'm also just so i would so love to see it as a movie that i don't yeah. care i'll keep working yeah do, do, do you find your i mean you, you you said before that the the original uh impetus for it is that you found your life super interesting yes. at the time is your life interesting now um yeah it's not you know there's nothing quite like doing something for the first time yeah and as you get older, there are maybe fewer. There first are times. just fewer first times. Yeah. So I still find my life interesting. I mean, yeah. I I really enjoy my life. I, uh, but there are fewer things that I'm that I'm doing for the first time, and so it doesn't have quite that 
uh, thrill. Yeah. But there are still some things left to do that I'm excited to do. <laughs> um, and you don't, and it's not. Uh, it's got to be a little frustrating, like like going. I can't even imagine looking at myself where I was when I was in high school. I'm just so glad that I'm beyond that point. And I, I, you know, in a way, until at least until this project is is finished, you kind of have to be in limbo, right? I don't feel like I'll ever leave. I mean, really? I, it's weird, you know. I, I've kind of, I think, accepted the fact that my high school self is going to be a big part of my life for my yeah. whole life because there's never going to be another project like that. Like, you know, I hope to go on to write things yeah. that people like and that I'm proud of, but it was a really unique project that can never be replicated and that at least I haven't seen anybody else do in terms of making a chronology in real time yeah. of themselves growing up. And so... I feel very aligned to it still as part of my identity, and that's okay. You, 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 I, I, read a, I read an interview where you were talking about Adam, and, and you were having a discussion around um, how it was going to be classified, whether mm-hmm. it was going to be an adult book or a YA book, and yeah. it sounded like you had sort of considered it a YA book, but they classified it maybe as something a little bit more adult. Well, it was really just that I didn't think of it as anything. I just wrote no. it... Um, I wasn't. I think I actually probably thought it was more adult because to me, YA books wouldn't have so much graphic sex. Um, And I brought it to my agent, and she was like, "I think we can try to sell this as a YA Hmm. book." Um, You know, it's a very, it's a limited third-person teenage boy, and most books written from the perspective of teenagers are are YA, Um, the immediate perspective. and it has a very classic YA arc in terms of, you know, falling in love and and all of that. And there are benefits to selling a book as YA in terms of awards you get and sure. what librarians do. Like, it just, it's in the There's market. The infrastructure in there, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, yeah. YA books can sell really yeah. well. So I understood why she would want to. And we did try to sell it as YA, uh, but most editors were too freaked out. Um, be- primarily because of the sex and because yeah. of the... Uh, controversial depictions of queer people. I think some people were a little bit scared of these kind of um, basically just, you know, lesbians that are rude and rough and trans guys that real, are real self-involved and real people. Yeah. yeah, You know, they want to see like their gay characters be a little bit more saintly or a little bit more whatever. Boring. Um, and so then, yeah, so then we we ended up sending it out to adult editors of adult fiction and that's how it's sold are you um i mean so so you don't you're not thinking about who is going to be the end consumer for this when you're working on it no i mean i'm thinking of like you know what is something i would want to read so i guess if it's entertaining yeah Yeah. um which isn't to say that i'm just writing it for myself like i want other people to read it but i I guess i'm the barometer of does this feel good or not that's just that's got to be such an interesting part part of part of the process is somebody telling you who's going to be most interested in this book like this thing that you've worked on for such a long time they're like okay well these this is kind of the fate of your book like this is the world that it's going to live in from now on it's odd um, but you know, I don't. I don't actually think the book is that. I think it's fine for teenagers. Yeah. Like I, you know, I don't think it's so scandalous. 
I think a lot of teenagers could and, and do like it. Yeah, I, I, I guess the, the reason why I went down that road initially is, you know, because I'm sort of thinking, like, do, 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 you, do, do you see that kind of odd, like, do you see yourself writing maybe primarily toward that general age group, like, in the, for the projects you're working on in the future? Oh, no, I can't. I'm so teenaged out. Like, you're <laughs> teenaged out? Yeah. Everything that I'm working on now does not involve teenagers. I mean, okay. maybe I'll go back to them, but no. I'm. The I, difference is just, like, who I is in the book? I honestly feel really sick of teenagers. Yeah, I can see that. But, and, but the, like, for you, the difference between whether or not, in your mind early on, it's a YA book, is whether or not there is a teenager at the center of it? Well, it, I mean... Adam is about a teenager, but it really was a book about my early 20s. Yeah. And he's in the world of people in their early 20s. And sure, we know that he's a teenager, but, you know, the idea is that he's in some ways mature for his age. Yeah. And so, but he, I don't know, he's still a teen. Um, but I guess it didn't, it, it wasn't the same as like the high school books, the comics, where that is like 100% teen through and through whereas I don't Adam maybe on the surface seems like a teen book but yeah was it was it a result of you like really very specifically wanting to sit down and write a novel I had had wanted to write a novel for a long time yeah I was really inspired by friends of mine that were writing novels it just seemed so incredibly fun like to be to have this thing where you didn't quite know what was going to happen yeah. and you could kind of return to it and tinker around on it and not have to draw it. <laughs> How did, did you did you not have to draw it? Did, uh, did, did you see so you didn't know what was going to happen at the end until you wrote the end? I mean, I had I had a certain sense, yeah. like I had a, a loose outline and I had moments that I was kind of writing towards. But no, like it's not. I mean, anything you write has to kind of come into existence as you do it. Yeah. And I definitely didn't... I tried to keep it sort of loose as I was going so that it would have room to go in, in the direction that felt I guess right. I, was, I always... And, and I know this isn't always the case at all, but I always tend to think of um, comics as being a little more strictly structured from the standpoint of, like, you actually have to, like, sit down and write all... You know, actually, like, draw all the panels and everything versus, like, you really can kind of go any way you want when you sit down and write a prose book. Well, it's true. It's, like, one thing I really loved about writing the novel was that I could sit down and write a paragraph and then be like no this doesn't feel like where the story should go yeah. and then you just delete it and at worst you lost like a half an hour but in comics it's like you could spend days and days yeah. on a page like a page that then you can't just decide it doesn't feel right I mean you can and do but you, you do have to plan a bit more with comics so, com- so comics have made you a little less precious and they've, they've ma- maybe made you kind of more willing to abandon something if it's not working. I think that comics, yeah, well, comics have allowed me to plow ahead. Yeah. Because you can't keep reworking something forever. It'll just never happen. There you go, that was Ariel Schrag, who who shockingly we have never actually had on the show before. Um, Glad we were able to finally rectify that. That was uh, recorded at the Mocha Arts Festival in New York City in the, uh, the, the dark, moodlit lobby of the Inc. 48 Hotel. Thanks so much to her for taking the time to do that. Really, really enjoyed that conversation. I'm kind of shocked at how much we were able to, to cover over over the course of that talk. Uh, definitely check out her work. Her, her latest work is uh, Adam, a novel. 
That's uh, came out in uh, 2014. Of course, she's she's doing a lot of uh, film writing, things like that. Uh, she worked on the L Word. Has some really really amazing autobiographical comics. Certainly worth checking out. Uh, so uh, again, thanks uh, thanks to her for taking all the time after that uh, panel to 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 have that conversation. Uh, thanks to Brian as always for editing the, the show together. Uh, thanks to everybody who has supported us on the Patreon. If you like the show. That is the best way to show your appreciation. Please, uh, please check that out. You can find that over. You can, you can probably Google it. You can find it over at our Tumblr. Uh, all sorts of ways to, to to do that. So please, please support us. Even even a dollar per episode will help. Uh, another way to help is to rate us over at iTunes. Um, some just awful, awful person apparently really, really disliked the show. Just gave us a one star uh, review. So we are back down to four and a half stars on iTunes. And um. Quite frankly, I'm going to be losing a, a lot of sleep over that. So uh, please help help us uh, help us recti- rectify that uh, that that great injustice. Uh, we I don't know I don't know who rates things one one star on iTunes. Uh, I, I will tell you that um, I got slightly obsessed with this and checked out their other reviews, and um, it's about fifty percent five star reviews and fifty percent one star reviews. So so take from that what you will. Uh, but I'm not mad. Uh, any feedback you've got, um, rather than giving us a one-star review, why not send us uh, mean things over email? It's rewildcast at gmail.com. Uh, rewildcast.tumblr.com is the address of... Well, it's self-explanatory is the address of our Tumblr. That is the first and best place to get to all of your R-I-Y-L-related information. Uh, what else? I think that's about all I got. Lots of good episodes lined up. Uh, please support us on Patreon. Sorry that, sorry that we missed a week. Um... A lot going on in my life. Uh, uh, I was about as sick as I've been in about three years. Uh, I, I recently started a new job, so there was a big conference happening that week as well. It was my birthday. Uh, it, was a, it was a real roller coaster ride, but uh, we're back. Uh, if you like the show, support us on Patreon, and we, um, God willing, we'll be back just about this time next week with another episode of RIYL. Mm-hmm.